Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything. Prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong target. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more worthy target. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of the Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting again about our grief public service announcement series. Uh, We're revisiting number two of which is when you lose someone you love, it never goes away. And I actually renamed this post um, to fit a little bit better, which is when you lose someone you love, they never go away. I think I meant pain by that word, it. But anyway, it's they never go away. Our loved ones never, ever, ever leave us. So I'm going to go ahead and read this number two of 10. And here goes. Circling back on this key point, which we originally discussed in April 2021, it's a super valuable piece of information that I think a lot of people are unaware of. So this is a really good one to discuss. It really stems from my experience of talking with grief supporters who've shared this feedback and experience that they don't bring up the loss, the person, the death, the miscarriage, etc., They don't bring it up because they don't want to upset the person that's hurting. In other words, taking it to my own experience, if I'm enjoying myself, no one wants to remind me of my pain. And if I am in pain, they don't want to make it worse. So this is a perfect illustration of how the complications of grief can get us all turned around and tangled up, especially in our relationships. Because as an outsider, If I'd never suffered the loss of a loved one, in parentheses, I'd have to go all the way back to high school to try and recreate that brain. But if I'd never suffered this type of loss, the logic makes perfect sense. I would figure out of sight, out of mind, or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I would get to work on busying the person who is in pain with plans to look forward to or something new that they're doing in an effort to distract them. That would make perfect sense to my solutions-oriented brain. However, as the mother of two deceased children and multiple close friends and family members who have died, my personal experience is that this logic couldn't be further from the truth. I understand why it makes sense, but here's what non-grievers don't have the benefit of knowing, and this is, this is big. No matter, and I'm speaking for myself here, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I'm always breathing just above my tiny children's faint breaths. 
In other words, they are always and only during every moment with me. So while it makes sense that if you're trying to support someone and we follow the above logic, it makes no sense if you're the person in pain. And if you're not the person in pain, how would you know if we don't tell you? Of course, I don't speak for everyone, and I have disclaimers throughout my writing about the idiosyncratic nature of grief and the respect for any way that we're, that we're processing our grief. But if you're the person in pain, it can actually be completely misunderstood and misconstrued when no one brings up the lost um, person, the, the name or the experience. And it almost feels, or it absolutely felt to me at times, like a level of apathy from people around me, like an aloofness or an absenteeism from my circles. And when no one says the names of my children, and when I don't say them, (laughs) Alexis and Emmanuel, like that, there's a chill in my air that just grows colder and wider over time. And then when enough time passes... Then I cross that grief threshold, which I've written so much about, which feel free to Google in the, in the um, blog, the grief threshold. But I, you know, I end up reacting completely inappropriately to some other random situation. So when the levee breaks and I'm crying in the middle of a business dinner and I have to excuse myself because someone said, losing a pet's like losing a child. <laughs> I have no way to understand that I'm not reacting to that comment but rather to the unnoticed pain that is clamoring for my attention, acceptance, affection, and honor. And if you're the person hurting, it may even feel like abandonment that no one's asking about your lost loved one by name or talking about them anymore or asking how I'm even still standing. Again, it leads to increased loneliness and isolation, which is one of the highest risks of our grief process. And the narrative that I can get revved up is something like, wow, I guess no one cares that my daughter Alexis died anymore because no one asks about her. Which is, you know, again, I don't believe that that's accurate, but that is what I can get going in my mind when I'm feeling very separate or very um, isolated or misunderstood. So that narrative is chilling. And again, it's just not true. But I think that there's so much trepidation on the part of grief supporters who think that they'll remind us of the pain and that it's most kind not to bring it up. So that is the second of 10 of our public service announcements for grief. Um, It originally read, as I mentioned, when you lose someone you love, it never goes away. But I corrected that to say they never go away, which is hopefully more accurate. Um, Again, you can, you can, locate the original post um, in the blog online at lisamcfarland.com and also leave comments because I'm really interested in what other people are experiencing when it comes to being in grief and how we're received um, or, you know, how others are interacting with us, particularly, I don't know, I was going to say particularly in the early stages of grief, but actually, to my point about no one saying Alexis's name, 20-some years later, um, I still want to hear her name. I still want to say her name. And so it's not limited to just fresh grief, at least in my experience. Um, But I also want to circle back on this idea of the grief threshold. And if this is a new term for you, please um, check it out. You You can use the search function in the blog to find other 
posts about the grief threshold, but the more I write about it and the more I, you know, meditate on it and look at my own experience, it's just amazing to me um, that this is truly a real dynamic. And so going back to that grief threshold, it's like, if I try to keep everything all neat and packed up and I don't pay my pain any attention or give it the respect or the affection that it deserves, then it hovers around until I'm vulnerable. Like at a work dinner when somebody says, oh my gosh, yeah, I just you know lost my dog. It's like losing a child. This literally happened to me in Chicago years ago. And I had to excuse myself. I was with a very small group of executives and I had to go to the ladies' room and I could not stop weeping. I could not stop weeping. And you know, you know what that's like. Even after you stop, your face is puffy and red. And it just really interrupted my evening. I played it off, you know, who knows what, right? Because even when I went back to the table, even if someone thought I was upset about something, they're certainly not going to ask. Because again, we don't we don't ask questions. We just pretend it's not happening. So the grief threshold is again, it's this concept where when we're not managing our grief day to day, it'll kind of catch up on us and then catch up to us. And then it'll either piggyback on some good event, like we let our guard down to feel joy, like maybe there's the birth of a child or someone graduates or someone gets married. And we just kind of let our guard down because something good is happening. And then boom, the grief is like, ha, gotcha. And the next thing you know, you're in the bathroom with puffy eyes trying to figure out how you're going to go back out there. So there are ways that we can raise our our grief threshold. And I'm going to be writing and sharing more about that. Um, but for this particular post, what's coming to mind is one of the ways I think we can raise our grief threshold and make ourselves um, less vulnerable to these kind of sneak attacks by our pain in the middle of dinner or whatever it might be, is to say the names of the people that are not here. And I believe there's a Jewish tradition, someone mentioned this to me recently, but that says something along the lines of as long as we're saying the name of the person, their life continues. And I would even go so far to say is it continues anyway. But when we pretend it doesn't and we block off that part of ourselves, um, we later on, we just, you know, we get bamboozled. That's another post I shared. And yes, that's how I felt when I wrote it. Um, when it sneaks up on us. So going all the way back, this is a longer chat, but going all the way back to just really understanding that if you're hurting and the people around you don't seem to be interested or curious or caring or aware, um, I want to caution us to know that that's not necessarily true. They may have come from the school of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, if, you know, out of sight, out of mind, they may think that they're being kind by helping you, quote unquote, move on. And I, I know that's the worst term. We all hate it. But for lack of a better term, because we're still learning how to talk about grief and loss in 2022, um, we need to be able to give it a name and we need to be able to to have conversations about our loved ones um, so that they don't kind of accumulate and then come kind of angrily <laughs> at us. Um, the other thing I would say is if you are not the person grieving, but you are 
trying to support someone that you care about who is in pain for whatever reason, be it grief or, you know, loss of a job or whatever it might be. I also don't want us to assume that just because for me, it's healing and present and grateful for me to say Alexis's name or to say my son Emmanuel's name, that that may not be the case for everyone. So again, this is where we can get a little tangled up in grief because you might hear something I say and you know, think, oh, I get it. Okay, so Lisa says that you want to talk about it. So how you doing? How's the pain? How much does it suck? How are you getting along? Like <laughs> that might not be the way to go either. So we have to weave intelligence, emotional intelligence with um, just regular brain intelligence. We have to weave those things together. Take cues from the person that you're trying to support by asking open-ended questions that aren't, you know, right to the point, but you can just say like, how are you doing? And if they say good, then maybe they don't want to talk about anything. Or if they say anything else, then you can kind of use that as a guide and where to go with your conversation. But I think the biggest take home from this particular post is let's not make assumptions about what we do and don't want to talk about. And let's try to leave at least a little bit of room for some sort of organic communication to arise um, over the course of our healing, because at some point, we're all going to be um, trying to figure out how to heal, unfortunately, or fortunately, but it is um, life is a terminal condition, as we know, and <laughs> some thank you, Eckhart Tolle, and some lives and sooner than others. And one way or another, we're all all handling something. So let's not assume that we know how someone's grieving, but let's not assume that they don't want to talk about their loved one. Because as I said, when you lose someone you love, they never go away. So please share any comments that you may have. Thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. And of course, until next time, let's do our best to stay present, stay grateful, and stay healing. And as always, I sincerely thank you for listening.